We're blessed to have a guest speaker with us today. Gary Poole is a nationally recognized expert on the topic of personal evangelism. He's going to take a big idea today, and he's going to bring it down, uh, make it very personal for each one of us. So grab your journal, pull it out, open it up to the page in week three that you're going to take sermon notes in. He, uh, he's, he's written several books. He's a fairly prolific author. Uh, one of my favorites that he's done is called The Complete Book of Questions, and a very simple way to ask conversational questions in a conversation with somebody. This is a great tool. He's going to talk to us a little bit about questions. Right now, can you join me in giving a warm venture welcome to Gary Poole? Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Gary. So It's great to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this for some time. I've been working with Stan and Daniel and Evan on this evangelism initiative here at the church in the series. I watched the panel last week. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I, I encourage you to go online and watch the discussion with non-Christians. Very, very powerful. So as Stan said, I'm the questions guy. I love asking questions. I love interviewing people, and I wrote a book of 1,001 questions, the book uh, Stan was telling you about. So I'm going to start off this service and do a little icebreaker with you and ask you some questions, okay? You guys going to participate with me? You ready? Yeah, one or two are you already, okay. Uh, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. Did you know that? There really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are morning people and there are night people. Those of you that are morning people, stand up. Let's see all the morning people. Seriously, stand up. Wow, check it out. Four or five of you, yes. <laughs> okay, you can be, be seated. Notice I didn't ask the night people to stand up because you're not awake yet. Uh, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are extroverts and there are introverts. Those of you that are extroverts, stand up. All the extroverts, they're all sitting in the front. Yes. All right, you may be seated. Notice I didn't ask introverts to stand. You can just stay seated, just nod your head. Yes. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. There really are only two kinds. There are huggers and non-huggers. I'm a non-hugger, okay? And it seems like huggers try to convert non-huggers. Those of you that are huggers, stand up. Let's see all the huggers in the room. Wow, a lot of huggers in this church. All right, before you're seated, turn and hug somebody who's sitting down. <laughs> No hugging strangers, please. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. You ready for this? There are two kinds of people in the world. There are Indianapolis Colts fans and there's Kansas City Chiefs fans. <laughs> Any Kansas City Chiefs fans in the world? What? <laughs> what? How did you get in? <laughs> All right, there's just a couple more. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are planners and spontaneous types. Planners and non-planners. Those of you that are spontaneous types, stand up. Wow, not too many. Okay, you may be seated. You notice I didn't ask any of the planners to stand because you needed some advance notice. <laughs> All right, there really are only two kinds of people in the world. Are you, are you tired of this yet? There's only one couple more. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are singers and there are non-singers. Those of you that are singers, stand up. Wow, look at this. 
American Idol candidates, you may, you may be seated. How many of you are sitting next to someone who stood up and you're like, they're not really a singer? Anybody? <laughs> Did you see that? He raised his hand. That's bad. All right, there really are only two kinds of people. This is the last one, and you don't have to stand for this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to answer this one. But there really are only two kinds of people in the world. It's really true. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. And maybe you know where I was going with this. There are Christians and there are non-Christians. There are those that have put their faith and trust in Christ and received forgiveness and now are following Christ as the leader of their life. And there are people who are not yet Christ followers. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. There are Christ followers and not yet followers. There are believers and there are non-believers. The Bible is really clear about this in 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And it says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. There really are only two, two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have the Son, and there are people who have not yet received the Son. And it's interesting that God has orchestrated it. He's wired it up that he's asking those of us who have the Son to go out and look for people who don't yet have the Son and invite them to receive the Son into their life. That's the way he's wired it up. It's the Great Commission. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says, And he has committed us to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Can you imagine that? As God were making his appeal through us, he is using those of us here who know Christ, who receive forgiveness, who are following Christ. He's asking us, he's made us to be his spokespeople. We're his representatives. We're his ambassadors. What a powerful thing that is. What an awesome responsibility. You know, I've, I've been thinking about this uh, and speaking of questions. I think the greatest question that you could ever ask yourself is, do I have the sun? And I think it's worth just sort of hitting the pause button right now and just asking you to ask yourself that question. Do you have the sun? Have you received Christ into your life? Have you invited him to forgive you and be the leader of your life. That's something that you can do right now. But there's another great question. I think the greatest question that you could ever ask another person, another human being, is, do you have the Son? Have you received Christ? And that's what God has called us to do. His, his, God's approach to inviting people to receive the Son is to mobilize people like you and me who already have the Son to spread the word about the Son. And that's the critical role we play. I mean, the Holy Spirit does his work through us as Christ, as Christians, Christ followers. We share the good news about Jesus. The Bible teaches that God has a message to convey to all people far from, from him, and he invites us, you and me, to be the ones to deliver it. We are his messengers, his, his representatives, his ambassadors. And my question for us this morning is, what kind of ambassadors are we? How are we doing?
How's it going? Now, I know most of you have heard that we have this initiative. We're mobilizing the congregation, and we're starting with asking you to identify one person in your life, in your sphere of influence, where you work, where you live, where you play, who doesn't know Christ, and identify them as someone that God has put on your heart that you're praying for. That's your one life. And it starts there. It starts with being intentional. And what we want to do in this service is give you some suggestions on what to do with your one. Once you've identified your one, now what? Well, we have a simple approach that we've developed over the years. And uh, a lot of it comes from talking to non-Christians directly like we did last week in the panel and asking them how they would like to initiate or have spiritual conversations. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to just pray. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm going to roll out the evangelism approach that you can follow with your one life. All right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for each person here in this place, each person listening online, and I pray that you would give us a holy inspiration to be intentional with someone that you've put into our lives who doesn't know you, that you would give us a passion and to initiate steps that could challenge someone to change the direction of their life. I pray that we would become great ambassadors, that we, be, we would become representatives that you would be proud of, and that we would be your messengers. Give us the wisdom and the courage. In Jesus' name, amen. I first met Jay when I was in junior high in a small town here in Indiana. And Jay got, and I got to know each other and we found out that we had a lot in common. I mean, we loved sports, first and foremost. Our favorite sport was baseball, so we both played baseball. We loved football, we loved tennis, we loved wrestling. We just loved all kinds of sports. We even had uh, uh, an instrument in common. We both played the trumpet. And uh, our friendship developed ever since I met him in junior high, and we became really close friends through junior high and high school. And uh, the other thing that we had in common, we were both very, very competitive. So no matter what we seemed to do, we were competing against each other. Um, and it was a fun kind of competition with each other. It was a good rivalry. And uh, he was also very, very competitive, you know, more so than me. And, uh, uh, but the one thing that we did not have in common was I was a Christian and he was an atheist. And in spite of that difference, we were still good friends. And in fact, he was very vocal about his lack of belief. It just was his personality. He was very outspoken, outgoing, and uh, it seemed like in different various situations, he would just make it known that I was a Christian and he was a non-Christian. I mean, he'd say, yeah, Gary here's a Christian. I'm not. I'm an atheist. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because he sort of became like an evangelistic atheist trying to convert people wherever he went. And I learned a lot from my friendship with Jay. In fact, what I'm going to tell you about the, the approach we learned from Jay and talking to the other non-Christians, but I, there's a couple of stories that really stand out in my relationship with Jay. 
um, that kind of illustrates how vocal he was and how he would initiate these spiritual conversations. Uh, one was we were on a bus trip with a bunch of guys going to from one town to another. I think it was a, a long bus ride, maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes. And, and we were sitting toward the front of the bus, and he elbows me, and he says, the guys in the back, they, they look kind of bored. He goes, I'm going to shake things up. And so he stands up, he turns and faces the guys on the bus, and he says, you know what, Gary and I are having a debate about the existence of God, and we want to settle that debate once and for all. So those of you on the bus that believe in God, get on this side of the bus. And those of you that don't believe in God, get on this side. And he pulls me up, and he goes, Gary's going to represent the people that believe in God, and I'm going to represent people who don't. And we're going to settle this. And for the next half hour or so, we had this debate with the entire bus about the existence of God. I don't remember the points that were made or the arguments that were made, but I do remember that the conversation was pretty intense, and I do remember Jay initiated it. It was pretty powerful. It stood out in my mind. And then, uh, you know, our friendship progressed, and we were getting ready to graduate, and I'll never forget this one. Uh, It was our senior year in uh, high school. It was really the, the final exam the last exam before we were to graduate, the last day of class, and it's an advanced math class, and there's just a few people in the class, and the teacher wasn't in the room yet, and uh, Jay goes to the front of the class, and he says, you know what, you guys, if we're going to pass and we're going to be able to graduate, we need some divine intervention. He says, oh God, let's pray. Oh God, oh God, I know you're not up there, but help us with this exam. Help us, God, help us. And the whole class laughed. And he came back and sat down right next to me. And I turned and looked at him and I said, that was a pretty good prayer for a guy who doesn't believe in God. And he looked right back at me in my eyes and he said, that's the first time I ever prayed. And I never forgot that. His first prayer was like a mock prayer, you know. Well, we ended up passing that test and we graduated. And uh, that summer we had our summer jobs, but then in the evenings we played tennis at the, at the local park district there. And we'd play late into the night, and we played on a regular basis. And this is how it would usually go. We would play against each other. We would compete, have a fierce tennis match. Sometimes we'd bring some others and we'd play doubles, but we always are on the opposite sides. And uh, then we'd play late into the night and walk across and shut the lights off, and then walk back across the gravel parking lot and sit on the hoods of our cars and just talk. We talked about high school. We talked about the future in college. We talked about our families. We talked about everything. But then this one night, he changed the conversation a little bit, and he said, you know, I got a question for you now that I've got your attention. He said, "Uh, now don't get any ideas. I'm not believing in God. But if there was a God, here's one thing that I can't figure out. Why would God allow evil and suffering in the world? It doesn't make sense. He's either not powerful enough to do a, make a difference, to change things, or he's not loving enough that he doesn't care. Which is it? And I struggled with how I could answer that question. I tried the best I could. I mean, I talked about how God created us with free will and we can make decisions and we're suffering the consequences of our choices. But I felt like I didn't really answer his question, but he posed these questions. And uh, the same thing happened like the next time we played tennis. We'd walk across, shut the lights off, then come across the gravel parking lot, sit on the hoods of our cars and talk about life. But then he'd pose another question to me. 
He'd say, like, tell me about Jesus. Like, how could he possibly be God? How could he be both human and God? And, and what about the resurrection? How is it possible that someone rises from the dead? That's craziness. And I tried the best I could to talk about who Jesus was. Same thing happened the next night. Shut the lights off, walk across the gravel parking lot, sit on the hoods of our cars, talk about life, but then he'd bring it around. And he'd say, you know, what happens after you die? Is there really life after death? How do you know? How do you know there's a heaven? How do you know there's a hell? Is that really true? And I tried the best I could to answer, and this happened throughout that whole summer. Shut the lights off, walk across the gravel parking lot, sit in the hoods of our cars and talk. And we'd engage in these spiritual conversations. And I can remember the, the last time before we went our separate ways, the last time that I saw him that year, we uh, had an extra fierce tennis match, just me and him. I remember I beat him bad. <laughs> but then we'd shut the lights off, walk across the gravel parking lot, sit in the hoods of our cars and talk. But this time, there was more of an intensity in Jay's voice. And we didn't talk about anything else except for the spiritual aspects and the questions that were on his mind. And he said, what does it mean to receive Jesus Christ into your life? How does a person do that? And how does he forgive the sins of the world? How, do, how does that happen? The math doesn't add up. And I answered the best I could. And I remember we talked very late that night. And then we shook hands because we, we knew we were both going our separate ways. And he got in his car and drove in this direction. And I got in my car and drove in the opposite direction. And I remember inside that park district, I came to a stop sign. And I could go and show you where that stop sign is today. And I couldn't drive the car any further. I put my head on the steering wheel. And I prayed for my, my friend Jay. And I said, oh, God, he's so close and yet so far. Help him open his eyes to see the truth about who you are. And you know, friends, it was in that moment that I put the stake in the ground that I knew that I wanted my life to be about having these spiritual conversations with people that were far from him. It was invigorating. It was challenging. It was confusing. But I knew the stakes were high, and I knew that eternity was hanging in the balance. And, and for the first time, evangelism wasn't a nameless, faceless idea, but it was a real person right before my eyes with a face and a name and someone that I cared about and my heart broke for my friend who is far from God. And my question for you is, who's the J in your life today? Does your heart break for someone in your sphere of influence who doesn't know Christ? Are you praying for that person? Are you engaged in conversations with that person? Are you listening to their questions? And that's what we want to talk about. I want to give you a very, very simple approach to what to do with your one, your one life. What's the next step? I mean, that's the question. I think that, um, you know, the first step is identifying someone that God has put in your life. And by the way, when you identify someone, it's not about turning them into a project. It's not about t putting a target on their back and uh, 
turning this into some kind of a mechanical process. No, it's about an authentic relationship with someone that God has put on your heart that you care about. And it's not about a project. It's not about a target on their back. But it is about being intentional because without being intentional, nothing will happen. You must be intentional. You must reach out. You must initiate. So you need to identify your one, and then we've come up with this process we call the 3D1 approach to outreach. 3D1, it's very, very simple. The one stands for your one life. It starts with your one. Who's your one? Who's the one person in your sphere of influence where you live, where you work, where you play, that God has put in your heart? And then the 3Ds all stand for three steps. They're not linear, they're cyclical. They are ongoing three steps that continue on a process of, of engaging your one. And it's something that everyone in this room can do. You don't have to be a gifted evangelist. You don't have to be a gifted apologetic person. You can do these three things. And so let me just go through them and uh, explain what they are. They're very, very simple. The first one is develop friendships. Develop friendships. This is about Identifying your one and developing an authentic, genuine friendship with that person. You know, uh, statistics tell us that the longer a person's a Christ follower, the fewer non-Christian friends they have. We want to reverse that trend. Jesus is our example. Jesus was a friend to sinners. And I think the longer you're a Christ follower, the more non-Christian friends you should have. But we're just starting with one. Just find one. And the reason that Christians don't have non-Christian friends is because we get stuck in the holy huddle. Have you ever heard of the holy huddle? The holy huddle is where you only hang out with like-minded Christ followers. You go to church with like-minded Christians. You go in your small group with like-minded Christians. You go out to eat with your Christian friends. You socialize with your Christian friends. And we exclude people who are far from God. And our challenge is to break out of the holy huddle and extend the hand of friendship to someone who's far from God. And this is based out of 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. It says, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become so very dear to us. This is about imparting the gospel, but imparting our own lives to engage in a process. And if you don't know where to start, I would suggest you just find something in common with that person. Figure out a hobby that you like or an interest that you have, and instead of playing golf with your Christian buddies, how about playing golf with somebody who's a non-Christian? And use that common interest as a natural, easy way to develop a friendship. That's what happened with me and Jay. We had a lot in common. We went to the same high school. That was easy. But we had a lot of other common interests, and we made our friendship about that, and we were very competitive about it. But that's what opened the door for us to build bridges of trust, and that's what this first D is about. It's about building trust. If you were here for the panel, you could summarize some of their frustrations with engaging in spiritual conversations with Christians in the fact that they didn't have trust. Non-Christians don't trust Christians. They have a low level of trust. They don't trust the church. They don't trust the Bible. They haven't put their trust in Christ. And anytime there's broken trust in a relationship, you've got to work extra hard to reestablish trust. And that's 
what this D is about. It's about reestablishing trust with someone who's far from God. So you're intentional, you find common ground, you hang out together, and you build bridges of trust. The second D is one of my favorite Ds. It's discover stories. Discover stories. First, you develop a friendship, and in the process of developing that friendship, friendship, what do you do? You discover their story. This is a paradigm shift when it comes to evangelism. Most people think of evangelism as, <clears throat> I got to go find someone, tell them my story, and then tell them God's story, and then ask them to convert. This is different. This is about starting first with their story. Did you know that non-Christians love to tell their story? They just can't find Christians willing to stop talking long enough to ask them about their story. And that's what we modeled up here on the stage with the panel of non-Christians. We asked them about their story, and they love to open up. And that's what this D is about. It's about discovering their story. It's um, based on Philippians 2.4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Display a genuine curiosity. I've been trying to figure out, how do you teach people to be curious? I'm not quite sure how you do that. It's like this innate thing that you're, you're just curious about, about the other person. You're, you're curious about their family of origin. You're curious about where they grew up and why they chose the career that they did and about their family now and how things are going. And, and then you can ask them questions about their spiritual life and their spiritual journey, just being curious. Did you grow up going to church, and why has that changed over the years? Did you grow up believing in God, and how has that changed? And what do you think about life after death? There's so many questions you can ask genuinely wanting to hear what the other person has to say because you're curious. You want to be able to connect. You want to be able to exercise empathy, and that's what this second D is all about. It's about asking questions and listening and Seeking first to understand before seeking to be understood. Stephen Covey. To really understand and walk a mile in their shoes to exercise empathy. Understand them and meet them where they're at. Did you know that in most cases, non-Christians feel devalued in the evangelism process? They don't feel valued. They feel judged. They feel preached at, lectured to, handed a track and viewed as a project. If you want to show someone that you really care, if you want them to feel valued, let them feel heard and understood. People long to be heard and understood. Ask questions. Listen. This is Discover Stories. And the third D is discern next step. Do you remember the first two Ds? Develop friendships. Genuine, authentic friendship, discover stories, listen, ask questions, hear their story, and then based on their story, pray and ask God to give you wisdom as to what the best next step might be in your relationship with your one life. Colossians 4, 5 says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. This is about wisdom that we ask God to help us take the next step. I mean, I can just give you some ideas on what some next steps might be. You might pray and think, well, my best next step is just to hang out with my one life and develop the friendship. Just be with the person. The be with factor is so critical. Or you could pray and discern that the best next step is to listen to their story, to ask them about their story. You don't know their story, and they've never been able to share it. 
take some time and ask them about those stories. They'll, they'll love it. Or you could discern that the best next step you could do is pray. Pray for your one life. Ask your small group to pray for your one life. It's amazing how God can use us if we just invite him into the process. Or you could serve your one and based on their story, figure out a need that they have and serve them. Or how about being vulnerable about a need you have and let them serve you? You could pray and discern that the best next step is to be bold and extend an invitation. An invitation to a Christian event or an invitation to a church service like we saw in the video earlier. Or you could pray and discern that this is the best next step is to articulate the gospel in a way that the person can understand. Are you prepared to articulate the gospel and explain it using illustrations where they can relate? In a few weeks, we're going to offer some training for you to take as a next step from this series. And we're going to go more in depth to identifying your one and developing a friendship with your one and discovering stories and discerning next steps. And we'll give you some tips and some ideas on how to articulate the gospel, how to explain it in a compelling way. This step is about influence, about spiritual influence. It's about the Great Commission. It's about engaging in the process with the person. And you know what I love about this? It's like I said, it's cyclical. It's ongoing. You ongoingly build the friendship. You ongoingly hear their story. You ongoingly discern next steps. It's not one, two, three, check the boxes and you're done. It's investing your life. And uh, what I love about it is it's really a way to Engage in the process, but get out of the way to let the Holy Spirit do the work of conversion. Because none of us can convert anyone. Only God can do that. But we're just engaged in the process to let God do what he does through the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, those are the three Ds. And I'm encouraging you to live those out with your one life. Develop friendships, discover stories, discern next steps. Now, before we close, do you want to hear the rest of the story with my buddy, Jay? Do you remember Jay? Do you remember who I'm talking about? The guy that I grew up with, and we had a lot in common. We played trumpet. And uh, he'd lead these debates and these mock prayers. Well, Jay and I went our separate ways um, to two separate colleges. And I really hadn't heard much from him for like a couple of years. And then I get a phone call from him. And uh, the, the phone call was a guess what phone call. Have you ever gotten a guess what phone call? If you get a guess what phone call, you'll never forget it. I can remember exactly where I was. I was at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. I was in the Reed dorm of the Curry Wing on the third floor in room 319. And I got this phone call. And he goes, hey, Gary, it's Jay. And I'm like, hey, Jay, what's going on, man? How, how's it going? He goes, guess what? I'm like, what? He goes, you won't believe it. I came to this college, and I still had some of my spiritual questions, and I found some Christians that could actually answer my questions. <laughs> and uh, I made progress in my spiritual journey. I got to the point where I was convinced there's got to be a God. Look at the creation. The creation points to a creator. And I'm like, well, that's a good argument i got to remember that one. And he said, I get to the point where I believe that the way to have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ, and to 
and I invited him to be the forgiver and leader of my life. And I'm telling you, I dropped the phone. I really did. I mean, I was like, what are you talking about? What? Is this Jay? Really? What? Tell me again. He, he started over. Guess what? I received Christ in my life. I'm a follower of Christ. And he said, I want to thank you. Thanks for being my friend, man. In spite of the fact that we had differences. Thanks for letting me ask my questions. I couldn't go anywhere else to ask my questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking some next steps with me. And then from that point on, Jay's life was changed. He was walking this way, away from God, far from God, and he did a 180, and now he's following Christ with everything in him. And I got to watch God at work. I wasn't there to help him cross the line of faith, but I felt like I was part of the process. And what a joy that is and what a memory I have. And that's why it's so important for us to share stories with each other about our progress in developing friendships, discovering stories and discerning next steps with our ones. And we want to be able to share stories of how things are going. We want to be able to ask each other in our small groups and wherever we're meeting with other believers, how are things going with your one? How can I be praying for your one? You know, a short time later after I got that guess what phone call, I stumbled upon a passage of scripture that became prophetic for me. Psalm 126, five and six reads, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. That's what happened in my life. I sowed seeds with my buddy Jay with tears, and I got to reap the joy of the harvest. It was all of God's working, but I was a part of the process. And we want to invite you into that process. I share that story with, with, about Jay for two reasons. One, because there's a Jay in your life right now. You just have to initiate. You have to keep your eyes open. You have to pray. Ask God to open your eyes to see who that is and see people through the eyes of Jesus. And I share that story because it's an example of the power of God to use us in spite of the fact that we don't have all the answers. We can be a person who can be a friend to someone far from God, a true, genuine friend. We can listen and ask questions. We can hear their story and we can pray about taking some next steps. I do have to tell you one more part of the story that's, that's moved, that moved me. I was working at a church up in the Chicago area several years later and I uh, got a knock on my office door there was a pastor's conference going on, and he knocked him on my door, and he says, I've been looking for you. Are you Gary? And I said, yeah. He said, I want to shake your hand because I'm a friend of Jay's. And he said two things. One, I, I want to thank you for your friendship with Jay. I heard that you couldn't answer any of his questions, but, you know, thanks for trying. But I want to shake your hand because your friend Jay led me to Christ. He said, I was in the marketplace and I was far from God and Jay befriended me. He took time to ask me questions and listen and hear my story. He helped me take next steps in my spiritual journey and he said, 
I'm so committed to following Christ that I quit my marketplace job, I went into seminary, and now I'm pastor of a church. It's the power of God using us in ways that we may never know until we get to heaven. And I want to cast that vision for you. And I want to invite you to surrender it all to him and let him use you as a vessel, as an instrument, and to be a messenger that God is proud of. Be a representative. Be his ambassador.